And I find in our yoga community, there's a lot of bypassing. And if you get the right teachers, you study with people who are really bravely facing, you know, this human condition called suffering um, and apply the techniques to kind of go, let's run into the shadow side, the darkness. But within that, um, I find that there is so much light. That was Zephyr Wildman. I'm Danny Pomploon, and welcome back to the Yogi Misfit Sessions. Today is session 110. It is our Fierce Calm collaboration. It's one of my favorite times of the month. Um, these stories are so great. They're so freaking cool. Um, everything that Fierce Calm is doing is always so freaking cool and amazing. Um, Zephyr is one of their ambassadors and she's also um, an amazing, phenomenal yoga teacher out in London. She's got an incredible story um, about how yoga came into her life and, and helped her. Like, just You name the things that life hands to people and she's gone through it and she's done it with so much grace. And it's cool. what's cool about her is I, I got to meet Zephyr. Uh, last year at a festival and she lives and breathes her practice like there is no misunderstanding or there is no like it just is her and she's also so human at the same time um it was an honor and a pleasure to have her on the show and uh yeah i can't wait to just have you guys listen to it this episode is sponsored by Sloney. They're an amazing comfortable that offers minimalist underwear for men and women. I recently got a pair myself and they are so soft. Um, what I love about them is they're like 50% more breathable than cotton. I've been using them to practice yoga in and just doing all of my normal day-to-day -day, uh, go around and sweat and it's pretty. Uh, they're pretty great. I also love them because they're antimicrobial and hypoallergenic. You guys have got to try a pair. Um, check out their website, www.sloney.com. That's S-L-O-A-N-I-E.com. And use the code MISFIT for 20% off. So yeah, that's right, 20% off over at www.sloney.com. As always, uh, I invite you guys to leave a review, just an honest review. If, if you listened to this episode and you thought it was great and it was, you know, it, it did something for you, please feel free to head over to iTunes and, and leave us a little a love note. You know, it really does. It supports the show. And the only way that this show gets out to our community and helps our little online and podcast community grow bigger is by spreading the word. And one of the ways to do it is uh, through an iTunes review. Um, you can also check out our podcast support page. Uh, it's another great way to support the show itself. And uh, anyway, enough babble about that. Without further ado, here goes Zephyr. And I hope you guys enjoy this Fierce Calm collaboration just as much as I did. Zephyr, it's so good to speak to you again. It's glad to be. Well, I'm glad to be here with you in I mean, it's glad form. too. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was just saying to you, you know, beforehand, it's uh, I just kind of checking in, you know, seeing how we're both doing. It sounds like we're both up to a lot. How's everything going in London? Um, life is very full. It's full mm -hmm. of the ups and downs, the shadow, the light, um, work, family. Yeah, it's full. And this is, yeah, life, isn't it? 
Yeah, I would I would say so. It's the um, you know <laughs> you get to be a mom and a teacher and a wife and a daughter and everything else that goes with that and yeah. and a person and yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to navigate sometimes. Yes, thank God we do yoga and meditation. <laughs> no kidding, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think hitting people with chairs is not acceptable, so we do yoga instead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really excited to to have you on the show. I, I know you know we got to spend some time together uh, last summer in London um, at the Gratitude Festival, and mm-hmm. you know, I got to connect with you there, and and I got to take your class at Lululemon as well, and just so much wisdom that radiates from you and and your oh, teaching. Bless you. and, yeah, thank you. I mean, bless you. You've you've. I mean, yeah, you are a force, and it's it's really cool to see your practice um, shine through in the multi you know, dimensional you like, you know, mother and person and, and all that stuff that goes mm-hmm. with it. Um, and I love these fierce calm collaborations because I mean, I, I think I say this every single time I do these shows, but uh, being able to have these conversations, I think is so important and being able to, um, uh, normalize some, you know, stories of how yoga saved our lives and, and, you know, whether it's addiction or whatever it is, um, mm. I think is super important because it's a gift mm. and there can be a lot of shame behind it. So mm. I'm excited that you are here to speak to it. Fantastic. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's, let's hear your story. I'd love to, where did it start with a yoga for you? Well, it, it started when I was little, but I rebelled. I was, um, my mom, was a yoga teacher, aerobics instructor, you know, uh, massage therapist, ran her own school. So I was kind of surrounded by it. And I had a massive tantrum um, because I was just like, I don't want to be doing yoga. I want to be mountain biking and rock climbing and running. And I guess I was at Judith Lassiter's, one of her workshops when I was like, 14. Mm-hmm. And I threw a big old teenage tantrum and my mom said, fine, no more. However, when uh, I left Boise, Idaho, and I came with my late husband to London, um, quite soon afterwards, I wasn't able to walk and they couldn't figure out what was going on with my feet. And I was in full spasm. My husband was having to carry me to the toilet. I was in pain eight hours a day. And, um, we call it a dead leg here, but, um, I think, yeah, Charlie horse. So my muscles were in full spasm. Mm. And finally, after about six months of just being in incredible pain, um, a doctor finally took empathy and sympathy um, and said, I think this is what's going on and ordered a bunch of scans. And I, through hypermobility, um, my joints and my feet had fused together. They melted together, kind of like osteoporosis. Oh, wow. And I was in incredible bone pain, soft tissue pain and nerve pain. And the surgeon said, I can take apart the joint, but I can't guarantee you'll be without pain. So I sat in a heap and I just like, what what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And a little voice in my head said, go back to yoga. So, you know, I had a little bit of physio and that was just so boring, but I started doing yoga and I found for about 20 minutes, I wasn't in pain, started doing more yoga, two hours. I wasn't in pain, did more yoga, two days. And it just built on that. But at the same time, I started seeing that it was an unraveling, not just of the physical meltdown, you know, metaphorically and 
and mm-hmm. literally, but it was also an emotional, mental, and spiritual one. So um, at the same time, I, I, my late husband was in NA, it's like mm-hmm. Narcotics Anonymous, similar to AA, and he suggested I started going to Al-Anon. So it's friends and families of alcoholics and addicts. And so yoga and my Al-Anon um, discovery coincided. And I found that they worked hand in hand. And the more that I researched the kind of philosophy of yoga, and the more I researched the 12 steps, I saw that they were linked in so many ways. And with both of them at hand, I was able to start to see the step-by-step process of not only just healing my body, but then going deeper and understanding how to actually embody and not bypass um, this physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual experience, but how to live in my body, which I neglected majority of my life at that time when I was like 19. And, um, And I just continued to study, and I've been studying both since then. And um, it served me of healing and finding a way of recovering and being able to walk and my interest of sports um, therapy and anatomy physiology, but also the kind of deeper healing that I, that I received carried on as I had children, as my late husband relapsed after 12 years of sobriety um, got sober um, and then got diagnosed with cancer. My yoga and my other spiritual practices were there to support me as I then, you know, faced his death, um, held his death, supported my girls, and then, um, you know, dealt with the aftermath as well as then falling in love again. So it's, you know, I, I think that by practicing yoga, doing like therapy, finding a support group, all this stuff doesn't necessarily prevent life from happening, but it definitely supported me going through the past 21 years, if not 41 years um, of my experience on this planet. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're different. I mean, I love that. First off, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That was my my brief history. (laughs) And what what else can we throw at her? (laughs) Six minutes. There you go. (laughs) What do you want to know? What do you want to (laughs) know? You heard it you heard it here first. Yeah. (laughs) I mean first off that's that's a lot. Um you know and and to have that to, to be able to have that awareness where you start to see, um, one of my teachers calls it uh, moments of illumination. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to see the little things pop up, you know, the little like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And whether it's a 12 step or whether it's something in the yoga principle, or, mm-hmm. you know, when you start to connect the dots together and you're like, wait, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, we it, th- these moments, yeah, it's just the moments where you start to like light up and where you have mm-hmm. these um, you start to recognize what it feels like for me anyway, you start to recognize like, oh my gosh, I have this tool. I think mm-hmm. I understand that I can use this. And if I do this practice or if I study the thing or if I inquire um, and, and hold the space, you know, I can, you, I can brighten that up and I can use that even, you know, I mean, I'm just going to continue with this brightening thing, but as it gets dark, I know that I have this light that I can come and, you know, heal with um, as the timing is right. Mm. 
And there's, isn't that kind of what Asana Pranayama is kind of trying to achieve? Is this this union between Rajas and Tamas to create Satvaguna, where we create spaciousness and lightness mm-hmm. in the way in which we're able to find that interdependent and that intimate relationship between the two and be in relationship. And it yeah. is space, light, um, but it's not just trying to seek that. It's actually how do you embrace the darkness, the shadow side, the heaviness, the the, the kind of fiery nature of life. It's, 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 a, and I find, and I'm sure you experience that too, is in our yoga community, there's a lot of bypassing. And if you get the right <laughs> teachers and you get yeah. the, you know, you, you, you study with people who are really bravely facing, you know, this human condition called suffering um, and apply the techniques to kind of go, let's run into the shadow side, the darkness. But within that, um, I find that there is so much light. There is so much. Um, I think the depth of my darkness gave me the capacity to love more fully, to experience that lightness and spaciousness. But I still hold that darkness. And I think that's more kind of like the Buddhist kind of um, one of Buddhist teachings is that there's 10,000 arrows of sorrow and 10,000 arrows of joy. It's the yogi is the one who is able to hold both and have that discernment, have that clarity of kind of have that faith, that shraddha and courage, that vira to be able to um, awaken to prajna, that inner illumination of mind and be fully absorbed samadhi in the physical, energetic and mental experience of this human form. And um, yeah, that, that, that remembering ultimately what we are, that smirti. Not who we are, but what we are, and that right. essence of light. Um, so thank God we have these practices, and but it's not for everybody as well. I, I love, I love, I, I actually, I feel like I talked about this on a couple episodes, but there is so much bypass. There's mm. so much, you know, uh, saying one of my teachers, she says, we'll just transcend that. You just hit yeah. the transcend button and it's done, you know, or you just good vibes that and it's done, you know, mm. versus sitting with it, understanding it, Mm. getting to know it, Mm. acknowledging it, Mm. being aware of it, and then doing whatever the process is with it. But there seems to be this very, um, I mean, yeah, this is the best way to put it is just spiritual bypassing. It's just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to transcend that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I did a thing and it's not in line with values and stuff, but I'm I'm on a spiritual path. So bypass and it's done. Mm. Yeah. The the other thing that that uh, that I loved uh, is too is the, you know when I think about like the darkness that you say that we hold that isn't you know I think people can be scared of of that right like mm-hmm. oh well I can't I can't be sad or I can't be any of you know the things because it's got to be high vibes whatever but mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to connect without that empathy without mm-hmm. going through you know you know what it's like to sit in a in a dark hole for a little while. Mm-hmm. And when you see someone else doing the same, you can approach it with like, wow, I've, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I have been there and I can sit with whoever it is, you know, in that and even just sit with them, not say, not do, not change, not trying to, you know, s- situate the outcome, but just sit there and be with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't think our culture really celebrates that on Instagram. It's all about how life is so beautiful and happy and gratitude and wonderful things. And we don't really provide an education to deal with the shadow side, to deal with Mm -hmm. our anger, to deal with our sadness, to deal with our sorrow, to deal with Mm -hmm. betrayal, you know, that all that, that, um, icky, messy, clumsy, dirty, you know, side, we just want it pretty, beautiful, gratitude, gratitude. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we are not, um, given the tools to be able to navigate. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I study this because not only of like the yoga, but the 12 steps give a very clear way of being able to, um, approach how do you create space to hold this stuff? Because, you know, society goes drink more, shop more, do more yoga, do more meditation, do more this and do that. And, and, and if you're constantly trying to transcend, it becomes this addictive kind of way of, you know, going around it, but it will always come up. So how, you know, there's, um, uh, Tar Brock, uh, introduced me to the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. It's like, to recognize and acknowledge what's going on, you know, to allow greater space for what is to be, to then take inventory, to take inquiry into the deeper understanding of where this is stemming from, whether it's old or new, where it's in your body, what chakra, what granthi, how it's manifesting in sensation, reaction, and then learn how to nurture the end, to nurture with non-judgmental awareness. And I find what by offering students myself you know others to be able to kind of use these really simple applicable steps to be able to embrace some of this Mm -hmm. really challenging stuff and i think i didn't heal by myself i couldn't heal by reading this in a book i healed in a community thank god for my 12-step fellowship because i'm not zephyr the yoga teacher i'm not you know zephyr the mentor i'm not zephyr the mother i'm not zephyr the wife i am just another person who's been affected by a common um, thing in which we all relate to that I don't have to apologize. I don't feel judged. I don't feel um, criticized. I don't feel shamed, but the vulnerability of humility to be able to see my story and other people to identify is so valuable. And so that's another reason why like I go in front of my classes and I try to be as real as possible. And yeah, I'm genetically gifted and I can do fun, crazy asanas, but it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean (laughs) shit. Amen. (laughs) It's more about like, how do you apply this goal of yoga, this narodaha, to your practice? How can you experience a contentment and an ease in your physical, energetic, and mental um, being? And these the the you know these teachings can actually serve us to navigate this thing called our human experience and it's very modern and yes it's very old but it is i don't think we as human beings have evolved at all you know we've been dealing with the same bs since we've been recording it and it's insane to see where we are today but I can see that it's speeding up. Our anxiety, depression, addiction is speeding up because of the way that we live our lives. And it's so important. We as yoga teachers 
stop glorifying and objectifying asana and start really giving our students practical practical and sustainable um, practices that really serve them to be able to navigate waking up in the morning and dealing with their stuff, whether it's good, bad, or neutral, to be able to give them more tools in their toolbox to be able to kind of just feel a sense of serenity, sanity, and peace at any given time. And, and I mean, if, so a, a couple of things that come up, you know, like mm-hmm. I think people are so afraid is the thing, you know, mm-hmm. people are afraid talking about vulnerability for the greater masses. People, mm-hmm. you know, are afraid of that because they're like, well, it's not, you know, a cool looking yoga pose. that's going to get me, X many likes, you know, that's going to be just a picture of me looking very sad and da, 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 da. And no one wants sadness, Yeah, you know, and we've, we've, I think that there are some there and maybe we see it more because we're, we're in it and we, Mm -hmm. into a a few degrees, we speak, you know, the same language. I feel like there is this, I'm trying to, there is a way in which we show up, right? Like we as teachers, me, you, whoever it is. Mm. And it's not that you're up there teaching the thing, right? It's not that you're saying do this and this was good. It's not one plus one equals two, Mm. but it's more so how we are when we arrive, what we're doing when we're not there, what's happening with us behind the scenes. Mm. Because people can listen to anyone give a lecture People can listen to anyone spout off words and sound fancy and educated and whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. like they, know, they know stuff, mm-hmm. but if the person isn't embodying and doing the thing, mm-hmm. there's no substance there. There's no, it's like you can, uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to say smell of fraud because I think maybe those people are still discovering who they are as well, mm-hmm. but you can see, this is what I love about you, Zephyr, and this is totally, I'm going to toot your own, your horn here, right? But, oh, toot away. <laughs> you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> your practice is you. Does that make sense? The well, way that you walk into a room and the way that you carry yourself mm-hmm. is your work. You don't turn on and you're like, hey, I'm Zephyr now and I got to stand in front of these people and I'm going to sound all kind and smart and compassionate and da 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 No, that is just you because you practice the thing. Even if you weren't to go up to a, on, on a stage and be like, hey, practice compassion X, Y, and Z, people would learn that lesson from you because of the way you are. Does that make sense? That's more important in my opinion as teachers. Mm-hmm. Like do the practice. <laughs> mm. Be actually don't do the practice. Stop doing yoga, everybody. Stop mm. doing it and just be it. Mm. <laughs> let the let the yoga do you. It's 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 gonna happen. You know, stop mm. trying to control the situation and and lean into the. Uh, you know, there's there's a sense of every time you go to the mat, you whether you like it or not, you are giving it away. Mm. You are handing the keys over and saying, "Take thy will." Every single oh, time. You're very kind. Well, I think I have to say is being in a 12-step fellowship and a couple times a week standing in a, in a room full of people, mm-hmm. being humble enough to share my vulnerability over the past 21 years gave me a lot of... Um, you know, tools to be able to go up in front of my classes 
and just be me. There was a long time of my teenage years where I was a chameleon and I was like, who do you want me to be? And I'll be that. And I, I became so separate, separate from who I was. Um, and I became all these different personas for anybody. And what Al-Anon and yoga provided me as a way inwards to stop pretending and to try to live what I practice on and off my mat and, um, you know, to share as honestly as I can to show up and as a teacher know that it's not the Zephyr show. I am a conduit to be able to pass these teachings on. And it's that idea of ahimsa is, is that ahimsa? Yes. Nonviolence, but it's, it's really um, non-judgment, that sense of creating space to allow others to be who they are and learn what they need to learn, to be able to facilitate, um, uh, other people's small spiritual awakenings and um, but not no it's not me but I have chosen this path because really I'm just trying to heal myself <laughs> selfishly yeah, totally <laughs> yeah. and 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 but I do know I become more diseased in myself if I'm faking it or if I'm um, trying to kind of like float my ego or, you know, get, you know, some kind of kudos or recognition. I have to ultra ultimately remember that this role is to be of service and, um, it's not the Zephyr show. So I go to the toilet every time and I sit on the toilet and humble myself. And I say, I hand my will and my life over to you. Do your will for me, not my own. Use me as a conduit to pass these teachings on and inspire this group today. And it's just a, a prayer in which I try to remove myself and to be able to hold space for other people. And, you know, to just, be real. And all my, you know, the students that have studied with me, they saw me become a mom and I struggled. They saw me, um, you know, watch my husband relapse. They saw me, uh, watch him get cancer and me, you know, survive that. They saw me when he died. They saw me when I fell in love. And I think there's, um, I've always tried to just really be honest and put into context how these tools of yoga and meditation have provided um, a blueprint in which, yes, life becomes a crazy terrain, but I do know the pathway back to that serene space in which I can sit comfortably in my own heart-mind and, and knowing what I am, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm in this enlightenment retirement place and I can behave in ways in which, oh, now I've reached this place, you know, and I think, you know, for me, um, thank God I have the 12 step fellowship because it really anchors me. Thank God I have a relationship to my practice, which humbles me. Thank God I'm a part of the community that I'm allowing myself to try to be as real as possible, as vulnerable, messy, and authentically me um, as possible. And I think there's 
a great way of studying this masculine form of studying all these techniques and maps and you know philosophies but there's that shakti that feminine form of really creatively embracing these and applying them into relationship applying it to how i relate to students how i relate to people in the street how i relate to my family and it's great because my kids come to my yoga class and they totally dropped me in it. Like my eldest daughter's 14, my youngest daughter's 12, and my youngest daughter studies with me a little bit more. But my eldest daughter was asked in front of a bunch of my students said, do you do yoga often? She goes, hell no. Why would you want to do yoga? Yoga gives you feelings. Why would you want to feel? (laughs) (laughs) And she just like looked at me and I'm just like... Oh my God. And, and actually it's like full circle because I was that 14 year old, 16 year old rebelling right. against my mom kind of going, Rah! but hopefully they see me consistently standing in front of a class. They see me in my community. They see me with our friends. They see me with my husband. They see how we are in our relationship and they're, you know, they will have this. And so when life gets hard, they'll be on their knees and go, what should I do? Where should I go? Who should I speak to? Please help. And I hope they might open up to this path or another one very similar. Um, I hope I provide them the tools and also my students, you know, and my friends, you know, my community. Um, silly, a silly question for you. I mm-hmm. just thought about this. So you were 14, you lost it. First off, the, the, the best thing is that you were in Judith's training because she's a firecracker. Oh, do you know what? I I didn't know it was a <laughs> Judith Lasseter. And she's been coming to London for the past 20 years. And for some reason, I've never gone to one of her workshops. I've always studied with Doug Keller. I've studied yeah. with Richard Freeman. You know, I've always studied with amazing teachers. But for some reason, I never made it. And my mom, I said this to her because I made a huge collage in her office. She has it framed of me kind of saying, don't make me do yoga anymore. And I did this huge art piece to just try to prove a point. She goes, do you remember what workshop that was? And I'm like, no, she goes, it was a Judith Lasseter. She was amazing. And I went, no way. So yes, it is weird. (laughs) Were you, were you, have you gone full circle with Judith and be like, do you remember me? No, no, I still haven't (laughs) reached out. There's like this unconscious, like aversion. I need to actually make an effort and just like go and just kind of go, oh, yeah. You know, and I've had students do this recently. I've had like a handful of students who studied with me years ago. They left studying with me, went to tons of sexier yoga classes and more sparkly and hip hop and crazy, you know, different styles. And, you know, and then they've come back. And recently I've had a handful of students go, Sefer, when you when I first started studying with you, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why you talked. I didn't understand why you just didn't teach asana. I didn't understand what you were trying, but I'm so sorry. It's taking mm-hmm. me this long. Mm-hmm. And I now I get it. And I'm like, oh, girl, honey, don't worry about that. I've been there. Right. I've done that. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is a part of it. And I'm glad a seed was planted. I'm glad you explored it. And I'm glad you're starting to see w- how you define yoga, what yeah. your experience of yoga is. I'll see Judith in July and I'm going to tell her. Oh, totally. Totally. Yes. No. Like, Do you yeah. remember? Do you remember in Boise, Idaho, a woman named this Barbara girl. Bashan bringing this little girl to class? Do you remember that brat in your class? <laughs> so funny. I don't want to do yoga with all these farty old women. <laughs> 
I'm just like, I'm imagining Judith, like, if you guys know Judith, like Judith is just, she's a firecracker and she does not deal with bullcrap. She's very straight to the point and she's an, an, a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. Mm. But I could just imagine her facial expressions. Like, well, I bet you know? my go-to is I punish by withholding the love. My teenager yeah. in me. And I probably just sat there in a lump and went hard and shut down. And I was like, no. You know, like I probably didn't have like a screaming kind of wah. It was I more like, like a full meltdown. It was like, like cross the arms. I'm sitting here. Don't talk to me. I'm not moving. You know, like Meh. punishing, yeah. withholding the love. I'm going to hold all of it. You're not going to get any of it. Eh. Yeah. So I, I probably behaved like that. And they're probably just going, who's the mood, moody little teenager in the corner? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's going through it. Huh? Yeah. What are, um, what are some of, the most potent practices that have changed you? Um, it's a more, loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, more breath centric practices. Um, I do love asana, hmm. but when I started to transition to actually do pranayama disguised as asana and do a lot of pranayama, kumbhaka, breath ratio, mm-hmm. um, kriya practices, it changed my whole experience of going inwards. You know, I could put my legs behind my head. I can do all this stuff. But when I actually started to really value the pranic experience and the alchemy in which then I can, that which I can direct it towards the experience, um, uh, towards meditation, it changed for me. And, you know, I, uh, I, that's mainly my practice now. I do roll around on the floor yoga a couple times a week. Strong. I I even go to the gym and do weights. But the pranayamic um, practices and dynamic physical asana, um, and then more refined into more static ones, um, is where I kind of go to. And that's probably been the most therapeutic as well as transformative practices for me. I like to call Kriya and Pranayama work yoga drugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so, I mean, it's so powerful and so potent. I like, I did this training. I talked about it a while back on the podcast, but I did this training with Kia Miller mm-hmm. and it was a meditation in the mind training. And I was you at 14, except it, I was an adult. <laughs> it was, this was Aww. last September. Yeah. But I was like, she asked us immediately. She's like, I'm going to ask you guys to go deep inward. And immediately I was like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I hate you. Mm-hmm. You don't know my life. I'm going to be grumpy. This mm-hmm. ashram bed isn't comfortable. The food here is terrible. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then day three, it was just like, oh my God. It's always day three. It's always day three. <laughs> But I mean, the, the, you're you're absolutely right. You know, like I think we go through this this. It's almost like we go well, not almost. A lot of us go through this cycle. We start with the asana because we tend to be disembodied, mm-hmm. and then from there, once we trust that enough, um, and once we've kind of had enough of that, then we start to tune into that second layer of body. You know, mm. which also you just can't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can definitely feel it, and you know its presence and its awareness is there. But it kind of you have to start from the surface and then work your way in, and then. You know, once those, I mean, once I, same with you, like once I started Kriya, like it's the, the way that my life has changed is, I mean, I I can't even, it's stronger than any, and that's not to say take away from the therapy and all the other, Mm. you know, the 12 steps that I've done and all that. Mm. But like when the Kriya happened, it was just like this super 
duper booster of everything else. It was like a reinforcement of everything. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the, the it's like the super drug of yoga. <laughs> yeah. And I and 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 a point that you just you know pointed out yoga is an incomplete system, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like having therapy, psychotherapy, you know, physiotherapy to, you know, making sure that you know, 12 steps or having other things to, you know, it's not, don't just like yoga, pranayama, meditation alone, we need other things. And I think mm-hmm. then it supports us to be able to go even deeper because then when you go into the Manamaya Kosha, the mind stuff, like you were saying, it's like you went through the Pranamaya Kosha, that, that pranic sheath, and then you went into that deep, you know, mental, like I was 14 and processing my trauma and all that kind of stuff is, is that all the other stuff kind of prepared us. You know, I, I love, I love, you know, when I reflect on the past, it really informs my present, but I need to have the tools to be able to understand where I came from, prepare me physically, energetically. So when I start going into the deeper stuff and then even the deeper stuff, um, we are prepared to be able to hold space for ourselves to really, you know, like, like physical drugs of like, you know, doing hallucinogenics or microdosing, all this kind of stuff and having these awakenings. I find, you know, I haven't really explored because I grew up on a hippie community and I kind of rebelled against it. But the times that I have, I've never been able to take those awakenings and put it into my life and apply it. Whereas when I go deep into this stuff, when I'm physically, energetically, mentally prepared from all different ways of um, supporting that happening, I the profound... Um, evidence or experiences or processes that I um, reveal itself in those states, I'm able to then really digest it and apply it into my life. Um, And it is, it is another way in which we open our minds. So yes, it is a drug, the endorphins, the oxytocin, the adrenaline to the cannabinoids that are released, you know, like all those hormones that kind of create this kind of euphoric awakening and that experience of that God state, that oneness is so big, but we're still in this state. We're still embodied. We're still here and being able to then digest it and then have true transformation um, in, in our lives. Yeah. And it's, it's, sustainable yes that's the other thing try doing acid for the rest of your life yeah yeah (laughs) good luck no 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 thank you very much (laughs) that is one ride i don't want to be on yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's it's sustainable you know what i mean (laughs) you can actually you can do the thing and in in a way that's not gonna harm you i mean Listen, brahmacharya and everything. Moderation mm-hmm. is, you know, the way I, I see it. In, in, and even in moderation and moderation. Yeah. You know, it's just it's personal responsibility and everything. But, and everybody's but the, moderation, yeah. everybody's middle path is a different one. And that's what the beauty of this is, is that kind of like they say, you know, if you see Buddha by the road, kill him. It's that same thing is, is that, you know, you can't get yoga. Yoga gets you. And right. the way in which we explore it and and practice it my middle path is going to be so different than yours, but we need to understand where our rajasic or our edges are and our intention of why we're practicing to be able to um, 
find this ability to flow at the right speed where, you know, we're capable of and sustaining. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 it is an interesting one because you can't package it. You can't really formulate it to such a degree. Um, but you can bespoke it for yourself and it's through just constant practice of awareness, self-understanding, accepting your life as it is, having a disciplined practice, awakening to self-actualization, to transcend old stuff and start to support new stuff and getting ready for transformation so we can kind of evolve our physical, energetic, mental, but our spirit. Someone said recently, which was lovely because in recovery, as you know, that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, but we're we're also yeah. human beings having a spiritual like experience. Spiritual experience. Yep. And it's like that sense that we are spirited beings and that, that, that bypassing needs to stop that transcending and escaping. I just need to go into meditation and transcend this. I just want to get away from this. I want to, in someone who owns a, a yoga studio uh, came to one of my friend's classes and she was just processing with me recently. And she said that he said, God, I really, your class was really slow and it made me hold the poses and made me feel, I like going to those classes where you just, you're kind of mindlessly flowing. And it was like, for real, you just said that <laughs> and you own yoga. You're mindlessly flowing. And it's right. like, you've so missed the point, but yeah. you know what? You're ready when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And you know, keep coming back as they say. <laughs> yeah. You don't know until you know, and you yeah. can't, no matter how many times people, it's, it, yeah. No matter how many times people, someone asked me how long I've been doing yoga. And I said nine months and they were like, what? And I was like, well, I mean, I've been teaching for about 10 years, but how long I've been actually practicing? Probably mm -hmm. nine months, mm -hmm. you know, where I've been doing the things that I'm like, oh, I get it. Mm -hmm. It's, been like nine months, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you don't know until you know. Yeah. You can't, you, no matter how many times, you know, people tell you, no matter who's trying to guide you in this direction or whatever, you would hope that you catch some of the wisdom so that you're prepared for it, mm -hmm. but you still don't know until you go through it. Yeah. And you should be always evolving. And this yeah. is the beauty, like, you know, you, it, you explained that you were having a really hard time last year, but everything that you needed at that point prepared you for experiencing that but then from that when you came out you trans you had a transformation where you needed to evolve your practices to be something different and we need to constantly be growing we we shouldn't be doing the same practices over and over again we need to be growing and exploring technically yogis are seekers they're seeking and if we find a routine that becomes a habit and then we just do that habit, we need to, you know, rough up against it and challenge mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like they say, kind of like, it's not the destination, it's the journey. So what is between me and feeling free right now? What is between me and being in love right now? What is that itch, that resistance, that judgment, that criticism, that, that attachment becomes exciting because that becomes the teacher. It's not the right. teacher in the front of the room. So then we start to kind of go, okay, how, what can I use? 
maybe another tool, maybe it's sound, maybe it's, you know, chanting, maybe it's, um, you know, more nature, maybe it's walking meditations, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And our, our practices change, but it's the definition of yoga being that intimate relationship, um, that art and science. I think it was Gork Forshine who um, condensed it into this definition. It's the art and science of disciplining your body, mind, and breath that is an artistic expression of whatever is present for us when we are awakened to it. And then, but it's a science that we take these proven benefits and tools and bespoke it to create this alchemy and this byproduct in which we then practice in relationship with body, mind, and breath. And I just think that is just such a freeing way in which it's not about the trikonasana, it's not about the handstand, it's about how we fully embody and embrace what we're going through and not run away from it and, and yeah, live more fully in that way. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, I don't even know what else to say. (laughs) Okay. Everyone go do that. Bye. (laughs) Good luck. Sorry. It's a, it's a journey. I, I, Zephyr, I, I mean, I, I really can't, uh, you're just, yeah, your wisdom for, for, and I know it, it's so funny you say, it's just, it's truly, it's just, it's for us trying to get through our own shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope this it. also just serves other people of just being yeah. real and meeting yeah. themselves on their mat and facing the conflict of being embodied and, and using it as an opportunity to, um, you know, practice at the end of all my practices, I have everybody smile and gaze in their own heart. And I say, you know, you know, recall your prayer of intention of practice. And as you smile, you honor your heart, your inner teacher, and you also then bow to all the teachers that come before you, whatever form they may take. And I think that is just that sense of kind of honoring yourself and honoring everything, not just your teachers, but the person who bumped into you when you're trying to get to work or, you know, your child who's refusing to put their shoes on to your partner who's sulking in the corner to, you know, whatever is kind of going, they become teachers and you get to practice these principles in all of your affairs, coining the 12 steps. Um, slogan, but I feel that this is so important to evolve our humanity at the moment in both our yeah. cultures. I'm in Brit- I'm in the UK, and you're in the States. We both are facing cultural issues that is heating up in such a way. We need these tools to be able to navigate, to be able to see people in their humanity and see that, you know, life matters to them, that, you know, they desire to be happy and not to suffer and that we're in it together. And if we can meet each other and in the middle to be able to have better boundaries and to communicate in ways of nonviolence and to find solutions that uplift us, it's in the teachings. And I hope this serves our communities to kind of go take it beyond handstand, take it beyond a vinyasa, (laughs) No amount of chaturangas is going to get you here. It's really, really, to to take it beyond that, please. I beg of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Zephyr, thank you again thank you, for Danny. The show and sharing your wisdom. And I'm excited I get to see you in a few months. We're going to go out to London. We're going to go eating. Be in bed by nine. I know. It's so rock and roll, my lifestyle. I'm sure you feel the same. Okay. You're up at five every day. You're like, I'm out by nine. I know. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Zephyr. Much and, love. Uh, until the next Yogi Misfit sessions. This is Danny and Zephyr saying peace out. Peace out. Peace out.